Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you're tuning in. We are Slava and Jonathan, bringing you the SideQuest Podcast, where we talk about character development, stories, and all things that are world-building. And we occasionally take side quests, because, frankly, that's how conversations work. Just as a reminder, this whole show is spoiler-heavy. So, sit back, tune in, and join us on this episode of SideQuest. Great. Running start. Big Morning, man. Jonathan. Slava. Let's try that again. I thought you pointed at me to start it off. Good morning, Jonathan. Good afternoon, Slava. Well, it's afternoon somewhere. What were some things that you... What were a couple highlights of yours this week? I found out that a commuter bus route was canceled. <laughs> after I stood there for 45 minutes watching other buses take commuters to work. And the, the interesting part was neither the website nor the freshly hung sign for mm. my route were at all marked in any way, anything to indicate <laughs> that they had canceled the route. So you're the only schlub sitting as a bump on the log waiting for this bus to show up, and everybody else is like, oh, yeah, well, we went, you know, to this part of the website that no one really goes to to check to make sure. Yeah, and when I talked to the bus driver who was waiting for their whatever it is, whatever they were waiting for, I asked them, and they were like, oh, let me call the dispatch. And dispatch was like, ah, of course, I could hear them on the, on the other line. They're like, no, we cancel that. You know, your passenger has to go, you know, to a different commuter lot. Now, luckily, that one's closer, but none of it's marked on the website. And Well, it's not marked in a way that is accessible or easily accessible. You have to go, like, four clicks in to read yeah. the updates, and then... Something like click schedule and then click announcements and then click um, construction or, or, you know. No, and then click the, the week, the, the, the that week's announcements. Oh, and good. And then it lists good. out all the working routes. And if your route is not listed on that week's update, then that tells you that that route has been canceled so, or suspended for the week. So, because you're commuting into work now to, like, stop paying these ridiculous tolls. Yeah. Um, can they just cancel your this new lot? Like, oh yeah, just we're gonna cancel it, and then you like can't get to work. Is that no, like a thing no. that could happen? I, I mean, I'm sure they could do that. I don't think they will. Within five miles, there are three commuter lots by my house. The one that I'm at currently that's working that I've used for the past week is the oldest and the most direct route to the express lanes Hmm. the other two are new builds and there's construction the one that where the route was canceled there's new construction around that lot and also what i think is adding to the you know to the decision to cancel it is how many people are actually being picked up and dropped off yeah Uh, yeah because we're in the in the lot where i'm at you you get a full bus like yep that's it. In the lot that I went to where my route was canceled, even the other routes, no more than six people got on each bus. So it was a bus going into town with six people on it. That wasn't like the later buses. By the time that I realized my bus isn't coming, there were still two more routes, two more time slots after me. Anyway, all that to say, I think why my route was canceled 
was because there's not enough people from that commuter lot. And the other commuter lot has like three or four more trips to the same destination to my office. And they have more people. All right. That's well, so probably not going to get canceled. No, probably not. And so all that to say, dear, dear people is that was my highlight finding an, a, a bus route because despite the pain in the ass on the front end, it's the same amount of time because it's an express bus and it's a lot cheaper because instead of double digits for, <laughs> yeah, for freaking the toes. Going to work. I, I get to the office and back under $10. That's beautiful. So all that. Probably only one of our listeners cares about, maybe, those mundane details of our life. Well, what's your highlight? So, I really enjoy networking gear that you use for your house. And I upped my brother's network setup. He sent me all the equipment, purchased brand new, programmed it. That was a good time. I really enjoy that stuff, honestly. Um, it's a bit of work, and I, and I feel I still very much feel like an amateur. But I enjoy it. And then another highlight is yesterday I got a parking ticket. Well, I was in the waiting period for the reception for my buddy's wedding. And I was really thinking it was like four, it's like 430 and the, the meters go off at five. And I was pretty sure that I could get away with not like punching into the ticket because it's so close to being done. It's like, whatever, you know. And they sent the people around, and I got a ticket. Apparently, one of the other buddies that I was at the bar with got a ticket, too. And so it's like, it's $20 if you pay within 24 hours. It's $60 if you pay if you miss that 24-hour window. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you know how they do it. The, when it's four twenty nine, one of those little uh, yeah. uh, uh, brown, brown shirts. said the same thing. Yeah. Walk around and... Uh, I should have just left a bag of coins on my car and went, I'm paying. Here's my bag of coins. Well, the world needs people to follow orders and click heels and make yeah. another otherwise worthless organization some money. Pretty much. Pretty much. But anyway, those are uh, some highlights of the week. Let's talk about Linden and Yaren and Unsold. Yeah. Cradle, book one. Give us an well, update. I finished it. Yep. I finished it. Linden gets into Heaven's Gates or Zion's Glory, wherever, whatever the school is called. Whatever you want to call it, sure. I'm reading two other books. I'm listening to two other books right now, so my brain has forgotten all about Linden. But I remember the highlights. So he gets into that school, and uh, he gets to pick out an artifact from the Hall of Artifacts, Hall of Trinkets. Which one did he pick out? He picked something out that would help him. The... Foxfire flags. Right, yeah. So It creates like a zone. Like you set them up. It's almost like a ritual. You set up all these banners, and then when someone walks in it and they pass through the field of energy, of Madra, then the, the dreams start to like make it difficult for them to figure out where the fight's going on. Yeah, yeah. So he gets that. He gets beat up. He almost gets, I think, he doesn't get killed. The guy doesn't try to kill him. But he gets beat up. Let's go with that. And he meets Urin. And he wins over her trust. So they do- I, I'm going to just pause yeah. you real quick. Um, do it. So I just need you to pronounce Yaren correctly because it did sound like you said Yaren. <laughs> and normally I just let it let, let it pass by. But um, you you should. Yaren. Yeah. 
You can even call her, well, it's it's like Yasna, just like Yaren. Just, yeah, it's Yaren because I don't want to hear you say this Yaren is every time. child. <laughs> Yasna and Teft had a child, and this is her. Um, so Yaren, we met Yaren. We met Yaren. She's a little badass. They together kick a bunch of ass. Lyndon murders a guy, which is always fun. Yeah. I like popping that cherry. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, that was surprising, actually, if I can get serious for a second. I was very surprised that it happened that way, and I was kind of glad that he defended himself. I mean, irrespective of where he had to murder the guy or not, it happened. But I'm glad that he defended himself, and that was kind of like a win for Lyndon, who was always apologizing and saying this one would like to not murder you today and honor to forefathers and all the other good stuff. So I'm glad that he's um, so soon in the series, he's already beginning to realize, hey, there is a need to fight. And even though um, you know, quote unquote unsold, I have kicked some ass. And then him and Yaren, after kicking him all the ass, and then Yaren, 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 Yaren. Then Yaren getting the remnant to bond with her so she can become gold. Yeah. Yep. 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 So so she took her sage's remnant into her, which is because it's this mystical world and the, the rules are different here. It's like taking the lingering spirit of, which is really like a, and the Cosmere ha- kind of has something like this. It's the shadow what do they call it? Shadow entity. Basically, like, it's not the person anymore. It's the shadow of the person. It kind of acts like the person shard? and and has... No, 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 it's not a shard. I'll look it up in here in a second. But, yeah, so it's like the shadow part of the person. And you learn this in later books is, like, she is convinced that he's still talking to her. But that's not how remnants... Sorry, remnants work. But it is... You do need a remnant to get to another level where you've taken the power of an another entity that has passed away. It's like eating a mushroom in Mario. Like I need this power up that was left behind by someone else to get me to the next level. Right. You, you didn't talk about, I'm a little surprised and maybe you're not done. I'll just, are you, is that your, no, I, I think that's it because I was going to say, then they take their uh, 10,000 mile cloud or a thousand mile cloud and, yep. and leave. And then the epilogue is, which I kind of feel, based on just a few summaries I've listened to post-finishing the book, and they were all like four-minute, ten-minute summaries, so I didn't get anything close to what I wanted. One of the dudes said that there is a potential, I believe that was the word he used, for another storyline within this book, another plot, like a subplot for these heavenly beings. So after Yaren and Lyndon, kick butt and take names and get out riding their thousand mile cloud, which I thought was a really cool, uh, a cool magic, uh, thing. Yeah. I, I thought that was, I, I like that a lot. We get, uh, another preview, not a preview. We in the epilogue, we get another look at the celestial beings. Syphis or Syphis, syphilis. What's their name? Cereal. Cereal. This has been a thing. Like, it started the way of Kings. I, I know, I know, names. I know. Anyway, we're in uh, the epilogue, and if I remember correctly, they are discussing the destruction of the Way yep. clan. Um, yeah. All the, the clans? Yeah. So, 
uh, Wei Shi Linden's clan, the Heaven's Glory School is coming to bring down retribution on the Wei clan because they figure that he went back to his family when in reality he tried to get out of Sacred Valley. But I'm a little surprised you didn't touch on the fact that uh, Linden and Yaren looted the entire Heaven's Glory school's treasury where they like went in and took a bunch of extra stuff. Yeah, that happened. And in the midst of that, like there, there's a, another great fight that happened both for Yaren and for Linden. They both thricely kicked some, some, uh, some butt. Yeah. So yeah, I just, it, that just slipped my mind, but I thought that was cool too. They're like, oh, let's grab this and this and this. And yeah, they just yeah. stuffed all these magic items in his, in their, in their bags. And they were like, all right, because Yaren, and I don't think you touched on this, but Yaren's uh, master, who is a sage, was, was killed. Was killed by the Heaven's Glory School, which is why she's coming in retribution to to give them her own retribution. Now, this is a this is a, a bit of a spoiler, but Yaren was her family was slaughtered, and so she was an orphan. And sages, which is this top tier level of powerful people. Sages don't usually take an apprentice because it's really difficult to pass on your knowledge when you're a sage. But he ended up taking her on because there are these things called dread gods that exist in the world. And they are these massive creatures. And there's four of them. And one of the dread gods is called the Bleeding Phoenix. And the Bleeding Phoenix is a blood spawn dread god where it takes blood aura or blood madra and uses it to fuel itself and what happened is there was an outburst in yaren's family's town it slaughtered the whole people and one of these blood spawn trying to take over yaren as well which is what her red ribbon around her waist is and she was fighting because it's an internal control battle of your wills. And so she she stopped it. And the Sword Sage found her because he was doing cleanup in this event. And he just kind of sat there and watched her for a while. And she was trying to prevent it from attacking him, even though she didn't know him. She was a kid, you know, kid dealing with some trauma. And he thought she had a lot of fight in her. So, she, so he basically adopted her and has been teaching her all of his information prior to them finding themselves in Sacred Valley for reasons I won't get into, but it's all tied together. It's all very fun, and everything has a backstory, but not in the same world-building sense where you need to read six chapters to figure it out. It's six books, but it does feel like six chapters. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is just like any other anime, and this is, you know, anime in book form, in my opinion, it moves fast. Even if you have, you know, six seasons and a hundred episodes, the movement for this, this specific kind of anime, right? Shown in anime, like it moves quickly. It's meant for young adults. So it can't be Dostoevsky for young adults. This has to be a little bit more fast, faster paced. And it is. And, you know, we've said this before, totally fine if it works because it works here. Yeah, it does work here. And one of the reasons I, I ran into Spencer last night at this wedding we were at and one of the reasons I really love, and I also mentioned this on the last podcast, one of the reasons I really love this series is because Lyndon is the underdog. He is the forgotten, the destitute, the pariah, and he 
has to keep fighting and he keeps growing. No one's making him become a better sacred artist. He is fighting to become a better sacred artist because, and this, and I was really this, realizing this because I'm now on book 11, because book 12 comes out in two weeks, which will be the final book of the series. And the through line for Linden the whole time has been to save Sacred Valley. And that comes to a culmination. What am I on book 11? So I think book nine is when it starts really coming back. And he had to get to a certain level of strength to try to help do that. And then we see whether or not he's been succeeding or failing. Similar to how this first book has gone and then the second book will go. There's a lot of stuff that the author allows Linden to go through that are pure suffering. Similar to Kaladin where it's like, oh, hey, I'm not just going to let you succeed because I'm the author. No, no, no. You're going to struggle for this. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be difficult. And he doesn't lose his drive or his his, uh, desire to grow. And what I was telling Spencer was, you know, when we're adults, no one cares if you grow or not. They really don't. You come to your job and then go home. Like, get, get out of here. Like, I don't care about you at all as long as you're giving me what I need. And so people live from after college, so it's 22, for 25 years just coasting unless they choose to make themselves grow or they pay someone like a coach to make them grow, which is just ridiculous to me because we're only here for a good 100 years. I'll be here for 150 because that's how my life works. And uh, I'll get to watch everybody else die. I'm pretty convinced. In a hellish apocalypse. Right, by by the blood phoenix. Yeah. And like no one makes you grow after you're an adult. No one makes you work, find a better job or make more money or like nobody because no one cares about you. They really don't. Like they care about your comfort and your happiness. And it's like that's all bullshit. It really is. You you should you should change it where you enjoy the process and it's not fun at first. It's very difficult. But when you start to love the process, you start changing yourself from a comfort mentality to a growth mentality. And growth mentalities are how you get ahead in life. Growth mentalities are how you take care of your family. Growth mentalities are how you make sure the people around you are taken care of because suffering is going to happen regardless of whether or not you want it to. And you need the resources and the, and the power. Power is not a bad thing, but you need the resources and the power to take care of the people around you. Because if you don't have that, then you are at the whims of whoever else is more powerful than you. And like... That's part of the journey we watch Lennon go through where he's not the most powerful person. So anyway, all that to say, really, really love this series a lot because I resonate with each of the characters differently. And book three, which I hope we get to, we meet my favorite. I've already said a lot about Yaren. I just we meet another very spicy character that I love a whole lot. Well, tell me what you think about this, because this is spoiler heavy. And because this is not Cosmere. The Cosmere is what I'm going to be reacting to when we get to Oathbringer and the other book. Words of Radiance, Oathbringer, and then uh, Rhythm of War. Right, right. So all those definitely, you know, are going to be done in chunks when I, where it's not going to be spoiled for me. Yeah. In this case, spoil away because that's part of the conversation. I'm trying to be kind to the listeners, though, because it's really, it really is. In this instance, and I realize normally it's about you, but in this instance, it's not about you. Uh, it's about, because I already like the, the stuff I said about Yaren, that happens in like book five or six. It might have been eight. I've, I've literally, Slava's been yelling at me on our text thread. Uh, 
I'll text him on a Tuesday, and then the next day I'll be like, yeah, I made it three more books deep in Cradle. And he's like, you're demon-possessed. Get out of here. Yeah. Whatever. I'm like, I'm I'm on chapter one of a book for, you know, next week, maybe. But, yeah. Uh, a book but I, but I, I've, I've learned to, well, I didn't learn. So I've started to listening to the books at a higher speed, like n- not at 2.25, but started listening to it at maybe uh, 1.7. Yeah. I, I love it. And for Out of the Silent Planet, which is a C.S. Lewis uh, sci-fi that we're going to cover here sometime soon. It, was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I couldn't do Unsold at 1.7 because I think I, I made this joke in the it's... previous episode where one of the guys sounded like, you know, yeah, like a weird actress from the 70s um, who had like a high-pitched voice. Where were we? We were saying something that we got off topic. You, uh, you told me to do spoilers and I said I oh, can't yeah. because it's not about you. It's about... The I've already spoiled too much about Yaren's backstory. That's right. That's right. And you were like, "Well, you can spoil it," and I was like, "But I, I, as much as this is a spoiler-heavy podcast, I don't want to. I do want people to read these books because I really enjoy it." Spencer was saying the same thing though about Black Flame, which is book three, which is where we meet this other spicy character. And I mean, the title's Black Flame, so like you can kind of put together there. Here's your spoiler: there's dragons in book three, and I. Just off the wall, love dragons. Do with that information what you will. But book three has dragons. And I lost my train of thought. Anyway, so I'm I'm not I'm trying to not spoil everything to because, you know, I really I really, really do enjoy this series, but Spencer was saying like, yeah, it kinda hit a lull for me. And I get it, but I promise that there's like this really wonderful payoff. It's just such beautiful storytelling where it's not too much tied together because we see the main characters go through suffering and things don't work out and we get that noted. But the thing that's a little bit much to take in is that it's a whole new world. It's a whole new, I'm going to call it a magic system, right? There's ruler techniques and forger techniques and enforcer techniques and authority and things like that. So it is a lot to to try to understand at a fast pace but i was telling spencer last night i was like i've read these series three times i know what's gonna happen and i love it all the more still which is why i can listen to it at such a fast pace i don't listen to brand new books well that's not entirely true i don't listen to most brand new books at the 2.25 speed i listen to them at like 185 or two I've trained myself over the last decade to take in audio information quickly. Right. So it's fun to play around that those kind of things where you train yourself to be able to whether listen to things faster or comprehend concept faster. We like if you do math problems or those all those learning apps now. I've been playing around with one called Brilliant and it's 150 a year. I'm not gonna keep it, but I'm playing around with the free trial. And it makes you do fractions. It gives you the, the the at least the lesson I picked to play around with. It gives you basic algebra and fractions, and it makes you solve little problems. And I can see how that sort of stuff helps you train your brain. Not analogous one to one, but trying to teach yourself and train your brain and your mind 
to absorb information more quickly is it's in the same ballpark at least i think that's a it's all good yeah um i i i've also been talking about this with my girlfriend i'm like how do you it's leverage right how do you take your input of one and make it an output of two or an output of four or an output of eight right well we do that by becoming really skilled at what we do one of the ways that i do that is i have an output of one or sorry, an input of one with an output of two where I'll listen to an audiobook and do dishes. That's an output of two. But the same amount of time, the same hour has passed, but I've done two things. I've done a mindless task and I've done a intelligent task or like something that requires my mind. So I've done an output of two for the same input time of one, which is leverage. Leverage is how you really maximize your life. And so like you learning that stuff, now you're leveraging your ability to do math on the fly in a different way. And I don't have a clear example off the top of my head of what what it would look like to have an input of one and an output of two in that instance. But finding ways to do leverage in your life. And, well, sorry, the first, the opener of this is where I've been talking to my girlfriend. I've been talking to her about time management. And time management, if you can find a way to leverage time management, similar to this, like, input one, output two, where you're getting two things done for one set of output or one set of input with time, you're now getting ahead. And part of that, I think, is really tapping into our mind. And um, I can't. I'm t- I'm thinking about more spoilers because they're like I'm sorry, I can't say it. Um, okay. there's more. There's just like a lot. Like part of what I'm talking about actually becomes relevant, and I can't specify what it is because it's like it happens in book five in Ghostwater. It's just so much fun. It's so much fun. Oh. I love it so much. But well, say two leverage. Folks. Yeah, leverage. Learning how to leverage your time. Time management, focus. The people who are most successful in life are the people who know how to focus. And focus means saying no to everything else that's not the top priority. Yeah, absolutely. This is a full-on side quest away from Lyndon. It totally I love. is. I was a, yeah, yeah. So I was going to bring us back a little bit closer to the beginning of the side quest where we, when you mentioned suffering. You can't escape it, right? People will suffer. And we mentioned this in somewhat in the previous episode where we talked about how we met garbage poors and really decent rich folks and anywhere on that spectrum from rich to poor, from the haves to the haves, not people will suffer. Yep. Now sure. People with a lot of money can endure suffering, maybe depending, depending on the specific suffering a little bit better, meaning that they have to worry about less. The example I used was chemotherapy bills. Somebody who has a ton of cash, will endure that better than somebody who has barely enough to cover rent. And yeah. now there's chemotherapy bills coming. But either way, suffering happens, right? You can't escape it. You know, just because somebody might suffer differently than you doesn't mean that they're not suffering. What you take away from that, and if you do grow, right? And you can see Lyndon growing. He can, he's observing the world around him. And he's using past information, past experiences, bringing that into the current thing, and when necessary, making adjustments. Even his decision to defend himself and bludgeon that that freaking moron that he bludgeoned to death in this book, and how he fights with the the master who's like in a traveling nine year old's body or something, which is just yeah weird flex guy. I'm gonna be young forever. As an eight-year-old, I mean, you do you, boo, but you know, <laughs> it didn't help you. It didn't help you fight Lyndon. That's true. 
that's what's so fascinating, I think, about for you. And I'm making an assumption here. I should have pre- prefaced this. I think that's what's so fascinating for you about these books. I think you've said it as much that you see Lyndon specifically and, and Caledon also where they are forced to face themselves mm-hmm. in certain situations. And sometimes they phase themselves and they make a mistake and they leave the step two steps forward, one step back. But eventually you see both characters grow. hundred percent. And then once they've grown, that's the thing. Once they've grown, there's no regress. There is when they've taken that final step to attaining power or attaining a position where they can help their fellow bridgemen or getting Madra or going to Jade, there's no regress really. That's not to say that's a bad story or a good story. Well, that is to say it's a good story, right? Before we get Slavo rambling too much, this is what I'm, all I'm trying to say is that's what's attractive about these characters, right? 100%. So have you found, because this is our second progression fantasy novel, I would call Way of Kings a progression fantasy series, because every book, uh, and I, I don't remember if I defined this before but i'll I'll do this real quick progression fantasy is a subgenre that focuses on characters increasing in skill and power over time and that's like the very simple version but with way of kings kaladin gets power-ups for lack of a word every book but it's not without struggle similarly linden has power-ups every book but again not without struggle and part of the reason that i love progression fantasy is because I've struggled a lot in life, and so I very much relate with these characters. That said, Slava, do you feel like you have enjoyed the progression fantasy, or it's kind of like not your thing so far? I've enjoyed it. I can't say it's my thing in the same way that it's your thing. Yeah. But that is not at all to take away from my enjoyment of both series that we're doing. The, the more direct answer, I'm enjoying the genre. Still, if I had, you know... What genre would you take with you in a desert island? It would be some weird sci-fi dystopian. Yeah, you take the horror, the the, the roadside yeah. picnic. Yeah. Yeah. I'd take that, but hey, if uh, if two or three of the cradle books, you know, <laughs> fell into that box, I wouldn't be complaining. I, I wouldn't use them as kindling, right? I, right. So does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And I realize, and Spencer's similar, and I realize I mentioned him a lot this this episode, but he'll be on our next episode to do a wrap up here. But the love that I have for this series, because even even last night he was like, I love how much you love it. And I'm like, I realize that not everybody's going to love this the same way that I love it. The way that I love this is not simply from a narrative point of view. And I've, I've kind of explained this. And I, at this point, I'm beating a dead horse. It's I love this because I feel like it, it explains part of who I am. That makes sense. And both you and Spencer mentioned that about characters in The Way of Kings. See, there's also a... A different type of of approach, right? And neither one is better than the other. But I can't even think of the word. I don't know what's going on with me today, man. My brain is just dead. Maybe you need some cotton candy. Uh, Side quest. My girlfriend and I, when we were driving to the reception last night, drove. I I saw some bright, shiny lights two streets over. And I was like, I think that's a fair. So I took a detour. And it was a fair. And I legitimately almost stopped to run out and buy some cotton candy and then bring it with me to the wedding. Not because the wedding won't have treats, but because I love cotton candy the same way I love this book series. Makes sense. 
Anyway, continue. So there's different ways people relate to books and characters and different ways people approach reading a book. And I think you and I and Spencer are different. Like where you and Spencer are more close on this and stop me if I'm, if I'm wrong, correct me. But I think when you approach the story, like you are immersing yourself in this world, but you also want to understand the why and the how behind certain characters doing any action. Whereas for me, that is very um, book dependent. Like if there's a book that there's a calls for me to do a little bit of a detective work to figure out, oh, why? Because it's you know, some sort of mysterious thing going on. I will, I will kind of turn that part of my brain on. Most of the time when I read a book, I'm thrown into that story and I pick up wherever it is. And I just like to kind of people watch, for lack of a better term. Now that's just yeah. to kind of like be part, like to be taken along for the story. And there are some things that, not because I don't care about them, because if they were presented, I'd be interested, but I just don't necessarily look for them. And this kind of came out in the roadside picnic discussion we had, where you brought up good points. You were like, well, wh- where are these zones? How long have these zones been around? Yeah, I what want to know about red, the world. What is Red's, you know, problem with A, B, and C? Why yep. is he like this? Yep. Where was he, you know, imprisoned? Did he marry a prostitute? Didn't he marry a prostitute? Because he's, well, he, he didn't. Uh, but he, like the pace of the writing, I think, threw you off a little bit. Um, and I don't Very think translation strange. has to. Yeah, yeah I don't think translation had a lot to do with it, but it had some to do with it. Again, it's not that I didn't care about those things, like because if it was revealed, the zones were in these six countries, and that's how and the, the new geopolitical reality came about. I'd have enjoyed reading that too, but because I was just there to observe the strange world the author is presenting to me. And that's the same thing with uh, the Cradle series. I'm just, I'm here for the ride. But having said all that, I do understand your position because of Siri and Shalon. Because both characters really stood out to me. And I was invested in their story. And for the, for the reasons that you just mentioned, why you like these books, because I identified and related mm-hmm. to Shalon. I identified with and related to Siri. Because we process things the same way. Yeah. And both both women were betrayed by their family. And I've said as much in other an episode, I felt I was betrayed for my family. I have experienced those things where the people closest to you, the people who are supposed to protect you and guide you and instruct you, kind of just left you in a corner, threw you a couple of scraps. Well, he didn't starve to death. We did the bare minimum. And then you had to fend for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So... Will White, the author of the Cradle series, has decided to cap the Cradle series at 12 books, which, as an avid lover of this, I have a frustration with because there's a lot more characters that I want to get to know. I did, in my searching, realize that one of the characters that I want to get more information about was written as a side story or like a short story in an anthology book that I that is not on audio that I have to go find. Because it's like an obscure printing. But like this character named Zeal, who we meet in book five, we get snippets of his backstory and I want to learn more about him. But I think he should do a full series about Zeal. And Zeal Zeal is basically the Bobby Fisher of the sacred arts. For those who don't know who Bobby Fisher is, Bobby Fisher was this mastermind child who 
became a, a chess master at what, like ten or less? Like I would say just before his teens or entering his teens, but I, I forget. Yeah. But anyway, so Will's decided to cap it at twelve books. I find that frustrating. But what do you think about an author going, Hey, I'm done writing this series? I don't want to write this series anymore. For whatever reason, for good or bad. What do you think about that? Okay. Well, a two part answer. If he just is tired and is like, screw it, I'm done, I have nothing to give, I would find that frustrating too, especially for a series I loved. Now, if an author legitimately says, listen, this is as far as this story goes. And in my opinion, as the creator of this world, this is where the story ends. I can live with that. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, he's not leaving it on a cliffhanger. He's he's like known that this is what he wants to do. And he's like, I'm making 12 books. I'm just, I'm a fanboy who's frustrated that it's not going to be more. Because I love the world. Well, I you know you need to keep going with this storyline. Just pick a new storyline. I mean, at the end of the first book, you see him open up the universe. Because being from the heavens falls down and talks to Linden. A being from the heavens who understands how fate works a little bit and what the future holds. And has some sort of omniscience. She moves time and resurrects from the dead. Right. So it's like, there's more play here. I think it could just be a really good time. Go to a different planet. Have us encounter a different Abaddon. Have a, you know, like, there's more play here. And, And I think maybe that's what I find frustrating. It's probably both, right? It's like, I really love the characters. I really love the world and the the magic system and stuff. I think it might be that it's just an untapped world. And I'm so sick of the worlds that we've been given for the last 25 years. Okay, let's redo Spider-Man. Let's redo Superman. How about we do something new? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't watched a lot of the Marvel movies. I've enjoyed maybe half of the ones I watched. I am not a fan of Spider-Man, so you're not going to see me watching Spider-Man because I watched like the first two with Tobey Maguire and I was like, uh, okay. And nothing against the movie. I, I just don't care about Spider-Man. But as an observer, as one who lives in this world and sees commercials for these things, I, I agree. Why can't we do something new? Because we've redone Transformers. We've done every single cartoon that from you the and 80s. I, from the 80s that you and I grew up on has been redone. And it might be cool for people who are who are now the age that we were to get a fresh look at him but at the same time leave i'm i would be totally fine if they left those stories alone let people watch uh, you know old movies it's okay yeah and create something new and what stood out to me this week that's kind of connected to this was i was going through my apple tv library because i'm buying movies now with, with a lot of discernment I only want to buy movies that I feel that are nostalgic to me, right? Even if some of them are just silly, like Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. just straight up action. So Apple TV had Mission Impossible, the whole bundle, on sale for 30 bucks, And oh. I bought it because I'll rewatch it when I'm bored. And I have Terminator there. And I have a bunch of movies that are all were made in the 90s, right? And what the thought that came to me, here's what I'm getting at. I'm like, in the 90s, there was so much innovation, like with not necessarily how movies are made or how stories are told, but the types of stories, like the actual, there was, there was interesting plots, right? 
even if they were, all stories are the same. Some people say, right? There's all, it's always the same thing. Person A wants something from person B. Yep. But it seems to me that in the early to mid part of the 90s, and then the same thing happened in the early 2000s too. It kind of comes in cycles. There was just interesting new stories that were being told with movies. Like that, that kind of stood out. Even the movies that are not nostalgic to me, that I wouldn't buy and rewatch a hundred times, they still stand out as better and more interesting and original than stuff happening in the aughts and now in the twenties. Well, not the aughts, the tens and the twenties. The aughts were the ones of the first half that I thought were had some more interesting stuff too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know as well as I do that the world moves on money. Right. Mm -hmm. So Hollywood doesn't want to do risky things, but picking a new author with a new book series is risky, which is why one of the ways that they do things is they have this website. And I don't remember what it's called, where they have this set of authors who are have growing communities, but have still not published any Hollywood work. Right. So no one has has made a made something from the rights of their books. And. Sanderson is now, if not at the top, pretty close to the top of having this massive community. He's never produced a work for Hollywood, and that's why he's at the top. Will White is more of an independent author, similar to Andrew Rowe, which I want us to read as an independent author. Like, the independent authors don't have big enough communities for Hollywood to go, this is a risk worth taking. So I know why they don't do it. I just don't like that they don't do it. Yeah. And there's an old, I don't know if this is necessarily Russian or Ukrainian, there's an old Slavic uh, adage, and it goes, those who don't take risks don't drink champagne. Right? So who am I to, yeah. you know, like to, to point my finger at the Hollywood, you know, wheel of money making and the whole world that is Hollywood? Um but at the same time, they spend a, a crap ton of money making absolute garbage. You know, maybe uh, don't make garbage for four months and pour that money into something else. But the thing is, people buy it. Yes, people love garbage. But I think the risk would pay off. Was what I'm saying is like, fine, make the garbage. But I think the risk will pay off because there's a lot of people our age, and I believe this is a generational thing, although I've met some, you know, some uh, younger millennials, even Gen Zers, that would agree with us wholeheartedly. They didn't grow up in the 80s. They don't remember the 90s. Some of them were born after the 90s. And they would agree with us that it's formulaic, it's cheap, it doesn't tell a compelling story. It's just rinse, wash, repeat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I've let this episode get away from us from talking about Linden, this is actually really why Slava and I picked the, the name SideQuest, is one thought leads to six other thoughts, two of which you'll cover, which lead to another 12 thoughts. It's kind of how it goes. I, I hope that um, we covered all the information. In the beginning. In the beginning. But as I, one, one thing I want to send you guys away with is, I think you can hear how excited about this series I am. I think that that's the selling point here, is how much I just love this series. And you've heard me on other episodes where it's like, Roadside Picnic was good. I don't love it, 
the same way that I love this series. But it was good. I really liked the world. It was enjoyable. I, I it was entertained. I had a lot of questions. But y- you can tell that if you listen to that episode, you listen to this, there's a different level of excitement that I'm sharing in, in the way that I'm talking about this. So if for nothing else, if you want to understand who I am as a person more, you read the Stormlight Archives and you read Cradle and you read these books that are my favorite because something about them, and we've t- we, I've beaten a dead horse because why not? Something about them is attached to who I believe I am as a person and how my life has been and how I've lived my life and how I see the world a little bit. Because I, I really do see the world similar to how Lyndon engages it where it's there are these power levels. And in our world, it's like money and power. And in his world, it's magic. It's not the same, but in my mind, it's the same. It's like, well, you can't become this if you don't become that first. I think there's, you know, some things are analogous, and that's why storytelling and fiction, no matter the genre, is so interesting because you can talk about, you know, existentialism and, you know, ethics and morality through a lens of a guy murdering his uh, landlady with an axe and then flashbacks to his childhood. You can do those things. You can talk about perceptions of reality and creation and ethics and evil through a sci-fi novel that C.S. Lewis wrote. And you can do that with Will Cradle's series. You can do the Brandon Sanderson's Cradles. And the interesting thing is Dostoevsky and Lewis were Christian. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Will at all. Sanderson is a Mormon. Mm-hmm. So all of them bring different worldviews. And you've heard me mention how worldviews drive everything, how you understand the reality, yeah. epistemology, knowledge, what is it, how we get it. And ethics, your worldview, which is actually comprised of all three, your worldview will drive what you focus on and how you tell the story. And there you go. You have four different authors, three different religions or worldview. Because again, we're, I don't know if Will White is he religious or not, or whatever he I don't is? Know. Doesn't matter for this co- for this uh, for this comment that I'm making. But the beauty of fiction is you can have these discussions by immersing your readers and to some extent yourself in a different world. Some of which was are fantastical, literally, because they're on magic, different yeah, planets, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have magic in them. So that's my final thought. If we could wrap up our thoughts actually focusing on the book, I think that'd be good here in the last few minutes. I liked how it ended, the book, Unsold. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed all the little things that Lyndon did to survive, from covering himself in dirt and getting the carriage to get him to the top of the stairs so he can go into the, you know, artifacts hall and get what he needs how carefully he chose the artifact he got, how he used it to protect himself and Yaren, and how he won Yaren over, and how he fought the two guys that he fought, ended up killing one of them. And I'm just happy it picked up for me because I was going to you know, finish the series with you anyway for the podcast. What a friend. That's what we do. Oh, hey, man, I'm gonna, you're going to read books that you're going to hate, maybe, and maybe I will hate as it comes up. So far, we both at the very least, enjoyed them enough to go through them, right? Uh, for me, I've enjoyed the, both the stuff that you suggest, both of the books you suggested a lot. It did slow, It did start slow it, for they me. They all do. Book one but, always starts slow. When we read Liza Lock and Laura, you're going to say the same thing. And I know that. And I, know and that. I did. And I did. Because I started, oh. you know, I started Liza Lock and Laura. 
Okay. But then I put it down because we started this book and I wanted to put, put my attention to it towards this book. But it, final thought is I am excited for book two to see where Lyndon goes. Yeah. It's, I just, I love it so much. There's a character named Ethan you meet in book two. He is the Gandalf of the group. And I love him so much. I feel like him partly. Like each of these characters, I, f- I feel like, I feel like Lyndon. I feel like I'm a late bloomer and has been dealing with the sufferings of what I was given. And I feel like Ethan, where I'm at now, like I know I just told this to my girlfriend, which is partly why I was late this morning, is I'm starting to come to terms with my own brilliance. And she laughed at me. And I was like, no, hear me out. Like I told you earlier in the episode, I did this networking stuff for my brother. I, I He sent me all of his gear and I fixed it up and programmed it and then I sent it to him. But I don't feel like a network engineer. I, I don't feel competent enough to be a network engineer. I followed some videos and I figured it out and like I know how to do it more. But what I did is the last five years, I've been jumping on Reddit to the networking groups and I just like read stuff. Two posts a day or something, like nothing crazy. And so why, when I say I'm coming to terms with my own, my own genius, it's because I, you know, the way we look at ourselves is not the way that other people look at us. And we don't give ourselves credit for the accomplishments we've actually done in life. This is true. So, I don't know how to land this plane, Slava. Well, I don't either. I don't either. Unsold was a, was a good choice. Thanks. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, fine. I'll find a way to crash land this plane. Thank you for joining us in this side quest and reading Unsold. Gratitude. This one thanks you. Goodbye, good people.